welcome to Groove Therapy, a podcast that explores the effects of live music on our brains, bodies, and our lives, and provides a space for you, our listener, to learn more about how you can bring the magic of live music into your everyday life. My name is Dr. Leah Taylor, and I am joined here with my fantastic co-host, Tara Lee Weathers. Hi, everyone. Hi, Tara Lee. Hi. I hope everyone's doing well out there. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Well, we're going to start with a little breathing so you can get grounded and get the most out of this podcast. And so if you are not driving or riding a horse, then you are able to do this. Otherwise, if you're doing something where this is unsafe, then please do not do this exercise. So put your hands on your heart and close your eyes and take a deep breath in. And exhale out and take a deep breath in through your nose and exhale out your mouth and take a deep breath in through your nose and exhale out your mouth. And may our time together be filled with magic and rainbows and unicorns and biodegradable glitter. And so it is. And so it is. (laughs) Yay. Well, I am so excited for this episode today and just excited in general for this time of year. It is one of my favorite times of year. Every time February starts, I'm just like, ah, it is ALO tour de amor time. I was like reflecting on it this morning as I was taking my walk and my whole body just like started buzzing with anticipation because it's just like I said, one of my favorite times of year. I know. I like I haven't even ever been to Tour de Amor yet, but like just hearing you talk about it, I feel like I'm like vibrating even higher. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like feeding off of your past experiences (laughs) of being there. Yes. Well, we are definitely going to have to get you out here sometime for Tour de Amor. You can come to like as many dates as possible with me. Yes, I've got to go. We've interviewed like everybody in the band, right? <laughs> it's true. And I, yeah, and I like love them all. So I want to like go and give them hugs and dance around to their music and see them create magic together. Yes, it is very, very special. So for this episode, we have Steve Adams and his mom, Cindy Thomas. And Steve is the bass player for ALO, otherwise known as Animal Liberation Orchestra, otherwise known as a couple of other names that you'll get to hear about in the interview, uh, just from the trajectory of their time together forming in middle school and (laughs) playing throughout high school and college. And now they have a lot of history together, which really shows. And I personally think that that is what makes them so special. And, you know, over time you create relationships with fans after that long of hearing somebody's music. And we've talked about like what can happen when you see the same band over and over and over and over again. Um, So ALO definitely has that going on. Yeah, for sure. They've created an incredible relationship with their band and it's like the fans have grown with them throughout the years. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And Zach talks about that in his episode, which I think was episode two of the Groove Therapy podcast. We had Zach Gillan, who's the keyboardist, 
Um, we've also had Ezra Lip, who's the drummer. We've had Lebo, the guitarist. And we've also had Jenna Lebowitz, who is their manager. So <laughs> we've rounded yeah, we rounded out all yeah. of ALO. We've got the whole family. Um, and I loved like when Cindy was talking about the boys in the band and she refers to them as their whole names, like, oh, Zachary and Danny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just, it's so cute. Yeah, it's obvious that Cindy has known them for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Cindy Thomas, for any of you who do not know, is Steve Adams' mom. And she could also be considered an ALO super fan, I would say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. She's like a- amateur now because she doesn't get paid, but <laughs> we're working on getting her to pro status. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I met Cindy on the dance floor of an ALO show where I met so many amazing and wonderful people. And she just is one of the most spectacular women. I love her so much. She just has the brightest light and I'd love to see what outfits she's going to wear and just to move and groove with her riding the rail for an ALO show. It's just so fun. Yeah. Incredible. That's another reason why I want to go to a show because I want to meet her too. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I should also mention that in addition to playing bass for ALO, Steve Adams has done many other projects as well. He was in Magic and the Other with Ezra Lip and um, Roger Riedelbauer. He's also been in Nicky Bloom and the Gramblers, as well as Broke Down in Bakersfield, which he is still in those bands uh, whenever they play again. And also Big Light was another band that he was in. Yeah, does he ever sleep? That seems like he's like playing a lot of music. He is. And, you know, in addition to all of those kind of formed bands, Steve also plays a lot with people around the Bay Area. Steve is a Bay Area musician and also record store owner now. Um, so he was just playing with Reed Mathis uh, and Ezra and some other guys. Reed had this project that he was doing some Bob Dylan songs. Oh, yeah. That was supposed to be really awesome. Unfortunately, I missed it because I was out of town. But Steve does a lot of things like that around the Bay Area as well. We'll be playing with other people. And most cool. recently, Steve opened a record store, which is called Mars Record Shop. And it's on Piedmont Ave in Oakland, and you can give it a give it a whirl and go check out Steve in his record store and get yourself some vinyl or some friends or just go say hi and talk some music with Steve. He loves to do that. Cool. What the what a perfect thing for him to do on his downtime. <laughs> I know, right? It's like <laughs> literally surrounding himself with music. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and gets to talk music all day, which is always fun. Yeah. Which is what we did. And, you know, it's funny because after we recorded this episode, I was like, wow, that ended up really being like a history of ALO. And then I realized that Steve is essentially like the ALO historian. So it was actually really appropriate that that's kind of what ended up happening in this interview. And it was just really fun to hear all of the stories. Also, of course, Cindy's, you know, perspective and views and experience added to kind of the depth of um, just the whole history of the band and how everybody fits together and and the growth of Steve and, you know, musically and 
and as a person. And so it was just so fun to get to hear and talk to them about it. Yeah. And I feel like even if you aren't a fan of the band yet, Mm because I know that you will be, um, that just like hearing about how they started from so young and evolved and grown and changed into what they are today is really interesting and also inspiring for like anyone who does anything, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would say, because like most things are about creating relationships and cultivating that and sticking to the thing that you're up to and passionate about and what could happen if you do stick with it for years and years. So to me, that was like so inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive into the interview. I'm sure everybody's really excited to to listen to what Steve and Cindy have to say. All right. Well, we're a part of the Osiris Podcast Network, and we will be right back. All right. And we are back, and we have Steve Adams here and his mom, Cindy Thomas. Hi, guys. Welcome, welcome. Hey, thanks. Hello. Hi. Nice to be here. Yay. Yeah, it's already been a party and we haven't even started yet. (laughs) Yeah, we just grooved to some James Brown and we have been talking all about live music and Tour de Amor and ALO. And as this comes out, we're going to be right in the middle of Tour de Amor, which for ALO fans is like our Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, Valentine's Day, Halloween, all the big holidays all thrown into one. It feels like a holiday unto itself, like for us too. Yeah. Steve, this is this 15? What number Tour de Amor are we on? 15. Yeah. The one that got cut short in 2020 was 14. Mm -hmm. And we just called it a wrap because we Mm -hmm. actually did most of it. Mm -hmm. 2021 off. And now we're, so I guess we just missed one year completely. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, on to number 15. (laughs) Yeah. So, Steve, what does Tour de Amor mean to you? Uh, well, like it's, you know, it's the, that time of the year, like you kind of mentioned, it's very festive for the band. We know um, when, you know, we kind of release the dates usually in like November or December and we make it through the holidays and the New Year's and we just maybe some people do some January, some light January touring. But February for us is always like this big time of the year um, where we get to play all our favorite towns on the West coast. And it started off as like a, um, a tour to celebrate love kind of like surrounding Valentine's day, but it's really become more its own thing. Um, It's just, it's usually four or five weekends and we've expanded it to include the Pacific Northwest and Colorado even. And we almost did the East coast in 2020 as a tour day more package, but it's, for me, it's like getting together with the band and um, having lots of time to play uh, long show, long sets and long shows and long, longer tours. We just don't tour um, consecutively, consecutively like February, any, t- any other time of the year, usually. So it's, mm-hmm. we can just lean into a lot of stuff and, and, um, and get to see a lot of friends and visit the towns that we like. And it's all, we can all be home on Monday and Tuesday and, Wednesday sometimes and that's feels good just because it's all west coast but um yeah it means a lot of things in a nutshell it's it's our love tour and it's uh I'm glad it's been going on this long so lots of appreciation for all the fans 
and the band. <laughs> uh, how about for you, Cindy? What does Tour de Amour mean to you as an ALO super fan? Well, I'm telling you, it is not for the faint of heart to tour with this band. And I absolutely, it's the best thing we do. I mean, my husband and I, we both agree. It is the funnest. We do a lot of fun stuff. This is the very top of the fun scale of what we do. It's the band. It's the people. It's the history. It's the legacy. It's the songs the song and we look forward to it and it was really a bummer when we couldn't do it but on tour with the band I think we're going to 11 shows um I'm booking hotels today we're going to try and do um not Morrow Bay but I think the rest the rest of them going down south and you're up late we drive um you're up late and you sleep in. you're like the band but we don't have a driver <laughs> We're the, we're the drivers and um, we don't have any loading in. Mm -hmm. So I, um, you know, plan like fun outfits and stuff that have to be loaded <laughs> in. I plan um, gifts, band gifts. I'm, maybe I'm famous for band gifts, which, you know, they've got to be pretty small because they have like um, backpacks and them. they travel light. I mean, Jenna's usually in black with different tights. And so I've tried, I mean, I'm trying to do that, but it is just pure um, interactive connectiveness and love. And the I mean, I'm a dancer since uh, birth, I think. Uh, Stephen's a dancer. Um, you just connect. I know you are, Tierley. Uh, I guess you're a dancer yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's a whole other way of being in the world I guess you could say and musicians um artists they're not like other people I mean they move in different not just physically move they're the way they go in the world is all about connecting and taking risks and I just love that and I love these guys I mean when did I not know them you know I mean I knew Steve before he was born <laughs> It's um, when Steve said it's all about love. The band is just such love bugs. I mean, they're all about love. They're such softies. They're I just love, mm -hmm. love, love everything. Love with them and Jenna, and um, it just fills you up, you know, with this, with just feeling good, feeling love, loving, yes. loving, lots and lots of love <laughs> everywhere. It's a yes. big love fest. Every heart out. Every heart shirt I see, I want to get it and wear it mm -hmm. on tour. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know this love fest has been going on for a really long time, and you guys have such a long history together. But when was one of the first times that you guys played together, you and Zach and Lebo? Steve was in the side of Dead Dog Gulch at, um, at Redwood Junior High or Middle School. And he took that part. They couldn't get any boys to try out and be in that play. And then he took it. I think he took it because your band could play at the intermission. And I think he played all night long. I don't know. They played songs and they had no idea what the lyrics were even about. They were just too young. <laughs> was uh, that, how did you get in Dib Dog Gulch, Steve? That was your first band, wasn't it? Me and Zach and Dan all had to be in the Dead Dog Gulch play because we... So the, so the, the, I guess in junior high, 
they rotated between talent show and like a musical or whatever. Yeah, it was a musical. Mm-hmm. So we saw me and Dan saw Zach in the talent show in seventh grade um, on stage in the gym. And uh, I don't know if I was like sitting with Dan or not, but we were, me and Dan were becoming friends in seventh grade. He was so cute. We were, we were from different <laughs> elementary schools that we met in seventh grade. So we saw Zach and Zach had a band. Zach was playing guitar and keyboard and, and singing and every, he was doing everything. And, um, and then, and that he had another keyboard player and a, and a drummer. And so I remember seeing them and being like, oh, trio. And there's no bass. Like usually, like I was watching MTV and like, usually there's a bass in the band. So I, I got just inspired by seeing him play. And, and, um, I just went out and bought a bass with my, like, you know, the lawn mowing money or whatever I had. Paper route. It was probably lawn mower, lawn mowing at that point. He always was working. Always, always mm-hmm. wanted to make money. Shorts, <laughs> no matter what, always wanted to work. Well, I bought a bass and Lebo, we, we were friends with Lebo and we had heard he'd played guitar in like fifth grade, but like had maybe like hung it up in the closet and wasn't, wasn't playing much, but we're, we're thinking like, maybe Lebo's pretty good. And so we, we kind of, we sort of like. At least he has a guitar. <laughs> he could be good. And he's a cool dude. We like hanging out with him. <laughs> So, uh-huh. so we, me and Dan, I think I joined first and then maybe me and Zach were like, let's get Lebo. And so, um, so we were a quintet. It was me. And so it became a quintet and we rehearsed like through that summer and fall. And it was me and Lebo and Zach and James and Matt. And the spring came around and we're like, okay, talent show time again. Let's, let's see if we can get like a talent show set like Zach did last year. And we show up to the auditions and it's, we had our instruments and they're like, Oh no, it's a play. And we're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So, but they're, but they're like, but we need guys in the play. So if you guys will be in the play, we'll give you an intermission and you can play your rock and roll set. And like, okay. (laughs) And so Zach was just, Zach probably would have been in the play anyways. He's a natural entertainer. He became the star of the play anyways. He was like the, like the narrator of the saga of dead dog gulch i was one of the kids because there is like this like beautification the story of beautif- beautifying a ta- little town or something like that but the kids were getting in trouble i was one of the kids lebo was like a cowboy or something <laughs> and um we did we did we learned all the parts and i couldn't stand it i didn't like acting uh, but i did it <laughs> <laughs> He did it so you could play for intermission. And so at intermission, we went down off stage and over to the corner we where we had set up and we played three songs. We had backup singers. We had, it was actually like a seven piece. And that was that was our first gig. So probably mm. their mom. It was like an afternoon matinee, I remember. Maybe we did it again in the evening or something. I don't know. I think there were two performances, but, you know, your part uh, didn't require a lot of acting. You <laughs> ran around <laughs> you know it required a lot of you jumping around and the, it was really i mean for a little town like saratoga we had a lot of talent and those productions that were put on i mean some of the moms that devoted themselves to you know helping with those talent shows and stuff remember that steve i mean it would be like a professional person that just happened to not be working and one of the moms that just they could put on amazing stuff. But I mean, it was 
for a junior high production. And gosh, the ones in um, senior high over at Saratoga High um, with Zach and Fiddler on the Roof. Those are like community theater. Those are high school kids, you know? Yeah. Well, you didn't. I mean, he just was in anything he could be on that required him standing on a stage. There he'd be. (laughs) If you ever wondered where Zach was, he'd be on a he'd be on a stage or he, you know, he'd be playing. You could always find him in something. What you say, Steve? He was just a natural. He had total natural talent and he loved it and he could remember lines. He could actually improvise pretty well. And he, I mean, yeah, he, he was always kind of an entertainer, even in elementary school. I, I, I probably met him in second grade. I wouldn't call him like the class clown, but he was some version of a class clown, maybe. Because he always I'm had... not even trying, I think. He always had like jokes and um, he, thought, he had, wore like funny sunglasses. and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was always an, an entertainer. Well, and Steve, you know, as you guys were talking about Zach and the performer that he is, you know, it really started in ALO that like Zach was the vocalist, right? Yeah. He did most of the vocals. He was like kind of the guy that would be up front. Um, but then in the last few years, maybe five, six, even seven, I don't know. But you and Lebo started bringing songs to the table. You guys started singing. Um, so that's. I mean, that's something that is fairly new in the last five or six years. I remember even listening to an album that maybe it was a Lebo song, but actually Zach was singing Mm -hmm. on the album that now Lebo sings uh, when you guys perform it live. So there was definitely felt like there was a transition from Zach kind of doing everything and you guys coming up. And what I was thinking of when you were talking about being in the spotlight, there's always the smoothie time, good time, Steve, where Zach will uh, take some time to introduce you. And I am sure inquiring fans are curious how your your thoughts are about that, because there's definitely times where it feels like you're not so comfortable being in the spotlight or there's just like something else going on. I mean, it's, I've talked to Zach about it. We've talked, I, the whole band, we've kind of talked about moments like that where Zach likes to introduce people and like create a big fanfare. And <laughs> I think we kind of resolved that like, it's kind of like half for Zach's pleasure as much as it is for like him propping somebody up. And I think he just gets a kick out of like introducing somebody and like being like the sort of, the person to call the attention to somebody else. And so it's, it's kind of half, half for him and half for the other, but I, I think he just can't help himself. I mean, he'll even be like, he'll be like, okay, you guys know what time it is, but I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I see that what you're talking about Leah, over the years, um, Zach mm-hmm. being like the front man and, um, it has evolved to where the other talents have come to the front also. And I, I mm-hmm. credit Zach to giving more space to everybody else. And I, when mm-hmm. I hear him talk about the uh, Scandinavian stallion and the, it's funny because he's funny, but it is, I, to me, it's like he's giving more space to Steve and bringing Steve out into the spotlight for everybody to see. And Steve, 
I'd say Steve's a pretty humble guy. And I, it's a good quality. It's a really good quality. He's pretty humble. And I, I, that maybe doesn't really fit with what he, how he would make space for somebody, but I think it's added so much because they're able to thank every, Danny often will thank everybody for coming and he'll connect that way. And uh, Stephen, they'll come out and all bow, they're like together. And it has evolved for sure. And I think that's very astute that you have noticed that because it has been subtle and gradual. And Steve, are you pretty comfortable now with that? I mean, it's been like that where you write your songs, you sing your song. Zachary just makes a wide berth. We <laughs> have that. <laughs> You know, to uh, have that attention that you deserve and that people crave, people like it. No, it's a work in progress. I'm still <laughs> level with it. But I, I see how much, what makes it a little easier is that seeing how much fun Zach has doing it. So that's kind of fun to see. Um, but I should, uh, it'd be cool to say that, like, um, I mean, Zach, uh, even in college, like in the 90s, Zach was always trying to get us more engaged in the songs and like with be it back, backup vocals or like a solo section for Lebo or like what, whenever he was working on music, he'd always kind of think about it that way. And he always wanted us to bring songs in and to sing more. And he always wanted to share that space in the band and on, on stage and in the studio studio even. So, I mean, maybe even in high school, he, he wanted he wanted that so it's it's kind of like it's sort of like it's part of his um the way he's been since i've known him more or less that wanting to include us all and it's i think it's taken us me and lebo in particular like our own sweet time to figure out how we emerge in that way that zach's always made that space available to us and um and as as me and Lebo do grow into our own versions of that, it, you know, in all honesty, like we we actually have to have conversations about it sometimes because when you're sharing a lot more, like Zach has so much to share. He obviously could carry his own show. He's so generous too. But generous, generous too. But he's he's trying to get work his his own balance in too. So it's not. Mm-hmm just the Lebo show or it's not just smoothie time all the time or whatever. Um, so yeah, so there we've had, you know, kind of deep conversations and even ongoing conversations about how we share that space. And, um, and Brogan, Brogan, it was always kind of like, it's funny. He was always kind of the new guy also, even though, <laughs> cause like whenever, I mean, me and Zach and Dan go back to our, you know, being 13, starting a band. So anybody that's going to join the band after that is the new guy. But Brooke played with mm. for 20 years. There's no, he shouldn't have been the new guy after <laughs> five years. But mm. um, Brogan always kind of like had a little backseat, um, super confident in his musicianship and would bring songs in. And we, we looked up to him so much. So we, we were ready to give him space anytime. And, um, and he took advantage of that and had songs and would sing and would step out um but even more than me and dan i think in the earlier years and then um i think lebo got more confident i've been getting a little more confident and now we've got the 
another new guy, Ezra, who's just like confident. He's like ready to go. <laughs> Anybody. So now we're about, <laughs> you know, we have these, we were having these conversations about how to balance the sharing the space and the stage. And um, that those conversations started happening even while we we're transitioning into getting Ezra. So now the conversation's even another layer deeper, you know, with Ezra. And he's got things he wants to share and ideas he wants to try. And so it's really interesting. He's actually in a way a little more engaged than Brogan. He's maybe more um, uh, more ambitious in a certain way, or maybe just more outspoken or more excitable. I'm not sure. Brogan always felt like kind of supporty, but like in a really good way um and would sort of be quiet about his moments and um but Ezra is like a whole another per he's like a lot more personality and that's not to say one's better or worse but just got like a lot more exuberance in a certain way I feel like this must be so inspiring for the longtime fans like we were talking about how you're cultivating this re these relationships from the beginning yeah. because if you're kind of like a shy person that's maybe afraid to like put themselves out there to see the different like growth in the band and how some of the people that were behind all of a sudden are in the front singing a song. So I feel like that must be so like impactful and inspiring for them to also like use their voice and stand up and perform and, and say what they need to say too. I, I think it speaks to the, what, you know, how bands are not just one personality. It's like a combination of personalities. So fans who are relating to the music might relate to Zach one moment, might relate to Lebo one moment, might relate to the other, me and Ezra. So it's like, yeah, the four personalities are there and we're trying to like figure it out every year, every <laughs> tour. <laughs> every moment. moment. Um, and it's constantly changing too. So it's, that's. I know you started in, in middle school and played throughout high school, but then also like playing parties at it's at Santa Barbara, right? Like you guys were kind of the the resident party band. Yeah, uh, we 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 did in junior high and then went through high school and played things like the Fun Run and the like town picnic and played some dances. I think some high school dances. And then Zach was writing original tunes, and um, we our senior year we kind of sort of um worked on these tunes with zach these, these zach tunes and got these seven songs together and put out a cassette of original music we were called django in high school like um like django reinhardt the, the name we didn't even know what that meant we just saw the word one day and we're like, that's a cool <laughs> word <laughs> and, we, and we pronounced it the django but um we were the django and we recorded this seven song cassette and like maybe manufactured like 250 copies and brought a box to high school our senior year. And all of our friends were like, we want one, we want one. And like within a week we had sold out of our cassette release and we were just like pumped. We were, we were, we played like a club gig in San Jose, like that senior year, like maybe that summer, that cassette release. And then that just, and we'd all applied to colleges and stuff. But that kind of gave us this boost of confidence to want to keep mm. the band together. So we all, me, me and Zach and Dan all got into UCSB and our drummer, Matt, 
he didn't, but he's like, I'll go to the city college and we can keep playing. So we, we all went to Santa Barbara together as a band. We showed up kind of like ready to gig and we pulled this like regular Tuesday night at this bar downtown called Calypso. And the whole town was brand new to us. We didn't know a thing. We didn't know anybody. We didn't know what clubs were cool, but this, um, but we just went door to door to all the clubs and had like a tape or a demo or something. And, um, and we had gotten pretty good in high school at like playing covers and stuff and like doing like a whole like set of like dance music or whatever, or pop hits. So anyway, so we, yeah, so we went, um, to Santa Barbara together and, and started getting gigs, but we realized how much more fun the parties were in Isla Vista to play than the gigs. Cause the gigs were sticky <laughs> floors and like, we weren't even 21. So we couldn't even hang <laughs> we had to get you know wristbands to not go to the bar yeah. can you believe that and honestly just the sound of the word isla vista just brings back a twitch to my face right now it does and i don't even think i know the half of it and one of my granddaughters is down there now uh she told me she was walking in the footsteps of uncle steve and i thought oh my god she's in isla vista no (laughs) it's probably not as wild no (laughs) it's probably not as wild right (laughs) um but yeah those parties were like huge for us in terms of like playing long sets and like being right there with a crowd of people and like dealing with people heckling you or telling you to do or someone trying to you know play your (laughs) instrument while you're drunk people around oh really yeah i mean and but those were like we'd see bands play like on the porch of some house and just have a huge street crowd we're like that's the way to like build a following so all through college we're just trying to figure out how to how to get the band more um, more followers and how to become a bigger bigger band in college in high school, we were pretty big. We played like the ba- Battle of the Bands and like played all the town functions. And we were, you know, big fish in a small mm-hmm. pond. But mm-hmm. Santa Barbara, it was kind of a reset. And it was, we were small fish in a, in a slightly not, you know, bigger pond, but not huge pond. But we did that like Saratoga, Santa Barbara, Isla Vista. And then we eventually moved to San Francisco. And it felt like this like sort of staggered um, scale, scaling sort of trajectory mm. or putting ourselves in front of more people and trying to figure it out the bigger scenes and and it's funny to have gotten at this point look back and be like oh we've actually toured around the world you know and like that's i wouldn't have thought that would ever have happened in mm-hmm. high school I wanted to put a tape out and maybe hear ourselves <laughs> on the radio <laughs> hear ourselves at a record store that was kind of the goal and now you own a record store and that too, yeah, which is pretty. You can play your music at your own record store anytime <laughs> you want, and nobody will say that you can't because it's your record store. You have to start the radio station. Back radios? No, I'm just saying. Like... Oh yeah, I wouldn't be surprised though. I mean, I would listen to uh, you know 104 Zach <laughs> anytime. <laughs> He's funny. He's got like a natural, he can be a stand-up comic almost. Zach, the performer. Well, and yeah, and you guys toured with James Brown, right? We were talking about that a little bit at the beginning. So how did that come about? And did that do anything to help you gain followers and get in front of people? 
Um, okay, so we didn't actually tour with James Brown, okay. but we did follow him on tour. <laughs> okay. And didn't he say, tell everybody who played with James Brown, didn't he have a comment and stay in school? I mean, he gave you some good advice. He told us to stay in school. He, he, um, cause we were, it was our junior year in college and Dave, our drummer at the time, Dave Brogan, he had finished his degree and his, um, a girl he, he dated in, in at UCSB was she went back home to Augusta, Georgia, and her dad was a photographer. Her dad was um, James Brown's photographer. So she she was a vocal major at UCSB, and she went home to Augusta, and her dad was like, "You should try out for James Brown's band. Like he's he's holding auditions." And so she got in to this band, and Amy Christian. Amy, yeah. Amy. So she was in James Brown's Beautiful band. Voice for 15, 20 years, maybe like one of the bittersweet was the backup mm-hmm. vocal section. And bro. And she told Brogan that there was an audition opening for keys, a keyboard player. And bro, and this was our junior year. I mean, Zach and Dan's junior year in, in school. And so Brogan was like, we just started playing with him. And he's like, you know what? I'm this, I'm done with school. And I've just been hanging out in Isla Vista. Maybe I should go take a risk and try out for, James Brown's band I'm kind of getting the invite and so we were like we thought that was amazing and we're like well do you want to like go out to Augusta together like would you want to take <laughs> us with you we're <laughs> along the way and maybe we could play some shows down there so that was 1996 the summer 96 and he said cool and we went out in, in Lebo's truck and we had a trailer full of gear and we played in Arizona we played in Texas we played in New Orleans we got to Augusta and Amy let us crash at her house. So we were up all on couches and floor mats and for the whole summer. And um, she had a shed out back. Then we would go out there and rehearse and write songs and stuff. And, um, and Brogan did the audition and didn't quite pan out. Then there was like an audition opening for a bass player. And so he started borrowing my bass and learning all the bass, James Brown bass lines. <laughs> I, was like, Wait, I should, I should be doing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can I have my bass back, please? Yeah. He did that audition. I think that didn't sort of happen. And he was just like, he was looking for his next step. He was a little, you know, a few years older and out of college. And um, anyway, so we, through that experience, Amy invited us to meet James Brown a couple of times. And we went to his office and got to meet him. And then he had a radio station. Speaking of artists with radio stations, he had a, a radio station down in Augusta downtown. And we went down there and we're like, oh, he's going to play our music on the radio. And like, that, that would, we just met some people. We didn't meet him. <laughs> Amy gave us the tour. But, um, and then we met him again when we drove back to Santa Barbara because um, we followed his tour back to California. So we saw the Texas show and we saw a Vegas show. And each time Amy would invite us backstage and a couple times at backstage uh, environments we got to see him but he would and like shake his hand again but he he wasn't a man of too many words he, he um he was very interesting like um kind of of another planet in a way like you could tell he had a whole other universe he was dealing with mm-hmm. besides the moment he was meeting you like there was you could just tell there was a lot of other things that were also <laughs> on his to-do list that day. Mm-hmm. And um, it was That's very nice. Things that would worry a mom. 
Probably, yeah, yeah. He was super nice, and and he trusted Amy in in that she was introducing us to him. Mm-hmm. She trusted he trusted her that these were friends of hers, and that they're we were that we were actually in a band, and we were trying to figure it out. So he acknowledged that, and um, and like let us probably be backstage a little longer than maybe most people. And we got we actually got to know his band pretty good, and be, and have even stayed in you know in friends with some of those people too. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to meet all sorts of interesting people because of all that. And when, when we got back to Santa Barbara, we went, we went down to LA a couple of times and did more meetups and then in San Francisco and did a couple of meetups. So, we, but we were always kind of on, on the edge. We were, we never, he would have never really re- remembered us, I would mm-hmm. think, but, um, but yeah, I, he's what a fascinating person. And I, I feel like I got to see a glimpse of it, but I didn't really get to, get to know him you know none of us really did mm-hmm. dave when did he say stay in school to you guys that was when we went to we went to this festival in texas on our way back to santa barbara and we were like in the parking lot hanging out with amy and he was getting picked up in his like limo or something and and he kind of drove past us and, and he recognized amy and rolled his window down and and we we're like hey mr brown and she, amy was like yeah these are you know my friends the band and He's like, he, he knew we were like heading back to Santa Barbara and that we had another year to finish or so. And he told us that he said something about prayer in school, which I can't quite remember. And he also told us to stay in school and like, you know, not finish that first before you kind of pursue your rock and roll dream. Um, but it was never like a coherent, connected message. It was just like a, like a, um, a soundbite that he would just fling into the universe that maybe he's i liked it i personally was very grateful of that advice from james brown he started off as a he was a janitor i think just kind of like humble humble i think in poverty yeah bye and he told us he he said never make music number one until like it's time you know Mm -hmm. basically and um i think what he meant by that was like don't put all your eggs in one basket and hope that that's going to work out for you because it actually could be counterproductive in terms of the stress of trying to make a living as a musician. I think he wanted us to be like secure and have like a foundation of how we could make money and get, you know, buy in this life and world, whatever. Um, And then once that was kind of established, give that music thing a a shot. So that was something that we kind of, we took to heart. That was sort of resonated Mm -hmm. for us. When you came back from after that summer, um, you, I mean, probably all of you, but for you that we know so intimately in the family, you had matured. You had had experience. You had worked because you never asked, you never asked anything from us or his family. I mean, his education, of course, that, that was a gift we wanted him to have, but he made his own way. You know, he, you, didn't you work at a drive through restaurant and you, you worked, you weren't just going where? <laughs> Burger King? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. Yes. And, you know, really, a, you know, he's always been a hard worker. He's always had jobs. He's always had side hustles. Mm-hmm. He always worked. He had chores, a little kid. He'd ask what he could do so he could make more allowance or could he have a raise in his allowance? He was quite the yeah. negotiator as a little kid at a 10 Maybe because he shared a room with his brother, Sean, I don't know. 
uh, who um, is an enthusiastic brother and always was and loved by all of us. But he really kind of wanted to attend his own apartment mm-hmm. and he hadn't figured out how he was going to, you know, get this apartment. And maybe he had a paper route by that time. But, you know, once we kind of sat down and um, Pop started explaining to him, you know, there's life, there's a lot required with this, you know, this is maybe not for right now. I wonder how, Stephen, you just changed your mind drastically and learned to get along with Sean and that bunk bedroom and but he but independent and you know earning wanting to make his own way in life mm-hmm. I, I would say that 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 I don't know when that wasn't there wouldn't you agree with that Steve that you really wanted to support your you wanted to make your own you wanted to make money you wanted to but you didn't want it given to you you wanted to work yeah, I, I realized I didn't want to just wait around for the allowance. I kind of wanted a little more. And I, I remember, and I liked doing stuff also. I just liked yeah, You like to work. I like working, um, working hobbies or working. I like doing things. But I remember that, I remember wanting to move out at 10 or whatever it was, because I remember having a bunch of cash. <laughs> Probably from one of my jobs. And I remember like ironing each bill and like putting <laughs> kind of saw the stack get taller. And I was like, all right. I'm getting there. I might be. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready for it. But that, um, that's just. Well, this I'm one. glad you didn't move out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you moved yeah. out when you moved out, and that was too soon for all of us. We've missed you ever since. Uh, with James Brown, I that he was influential in in ALO's um, origin for sure because yeah, yeah. Um, we came back. We were all we were. We, you know, we've been through different phases of music interest. Like in high school, we were probably more into pop commercial and MTV and grunge and um, even 80s rock and whatnot. And in college, we were learning more about jazz and funk and just sort of the history of um, probably Black American music, really. It's kind of, we we're kind of figuring out and world music. We were eth- studying ethnomusicology and learning more about that but James Brown was we were just so into into dance music and James Brown's music and we listened to it all the time in our house in Isla Vista so going there and meeting him was like huge we thought we'd gotten the blessing of the godfather of soul um, which mm-hmm. claimed we did you know, coming back and we we, we writing kind of more dancey stuff and um what definitely with like drum beats and uh, with more like funky drum beats and, and also allowing ourselves to have these long, longer dance forms where we would even let Zach kind of call out changes. And that really led up to the, the um, animal liberation orchestra and the free range horns beginning because it was what we wanted it to be was like a psychedelic James Brown experience, like, um, like more psychedelic, even even though James Brown was somewhat psychedelic himself, but like more psychedelic, more jamming, a little more like in a mix of like some hard rock stuff and some jazz stuff and um but definitely funk driven. And it was also a theatrical show because we'd like free the horn players from shackles and call them back and parade people in and the costumes started happening and Zach's mind just went wild with this. Animal Liberation Orchestra and the Free Range Horns. We were a nine-piece band, mm-hmm. very in, inspired by James Brown's horn section and that kind of sound. And 
and we we hired our um because we were in between drummers we got our jazz band director to play drums on that first iteration of that band and he was just a pro and arranged the horn parts and stuff so we came i mean i would i would say like because of that james brown summer we that definitely played into the alo origin you know okay and then they evolved you guys are definitely a fun dance band and we yeah. love to dance with you. And I love that you guys also pretty much dance on stage too. <laughs> Which... When they, they can't dance enough for my taste. <laughs> when they bust out and start dancing is that's lightning in a bottle. And Steven's mm-hmm. a good dancer. He's kind of, you know, planted with his bass there, mm-hmm. but he's always been full rhythm really really good dancer and he attracted a big crowd at legoland in europe just dancing to the Pa band he just we <laughs> looked around you know and that moment of where where is he well there he is he's just dancing with all these people. i mean he was little like three mm-hmm. I, I, was, that was a pretty good dancer too um so much that i auditioned for like a dance oh that is funny are you gonna tell that <laughs> now you have to well you don't have to tell the whole story and abbreviate it what did you try out for there was my friend sent me this audition email for like a commercial it was like um the target of france i forget the name of the store but it's like a department store Mm -hmm. el target yeah i know that store i've been to that store um something is it something with moaned in it oh i'll think of it later yeah i know that so that's commercial and they had all these um audition emails sent out to people around the bay area and they had a film shoot lined up and i was like my friend was like she's like you fit the the description of what how they want the person to look and um and she's like i bet you could just go in there and crush it and i was like maybe i could like like the night before i'm like dancing around my apartment i'm like trying to like just get in my body a little bit and make sure like i'm you know, I, I somewhat and i get there and there's just like all these like people like stretching their legs and they're like <laughs> out i'm like oh my god these are like professional dancers was i kind of from russia even switching into their dance shorts and they're switching into their dance shoes and i'm just like oh my god i can't like <laughs> outfit i would wear at the film or for a tour dance <laughs> and um i wanted someone with like a little 70s vibe and the mustache and i was like i got this <laughs> and um i went into the audition and they had the script the, the the tape rolling and there was five of us and they just called out these dance moves and i like if that tape ever surfaces i'm sure i'll just be able to laugh at it really hard myself because i i was trying to do like you know i was trying to copy the person in front of me like doing a pirouette or whatever <laughs> a, a spin move and and i was like and I and I just was like, just be yourself, just be yourself, just do your thing. Like that's all you got, that's all you can sell. And um, I did the best I could, and I I knew like there was no way because I just these people just were smooth, they were <laughs> trained. And uh, yeah, I never got a call back for it. Well, I love that you tried out for it, <laughs> and hope we'll have to try to track down that tape, Charlie. Yes, put it on our uh, our exclusive. <laughs> Well, it gives you a lot of appreciation for that skill set, for oh, sure. Yeah. I was super yeah. humbled. And yeah, that would be a humbling <laughs> experience. Very impressed. But yeah, I like to dance, but I, I don't claim to have any yeah, trained <laughs> moves or anything. Well, we like it when you break it down on the on the stage yeah. or the catwalk. 
Um, Well, I have a couple of just ending questions. I would love to talk to you guys all day long, but I, uh, we should probably wrap this up soon. Thank you. That is so nice of you to say that. I can listen all day long. (laughs) Carolee, so nice of you to say that. So Cindy, there was a request, uh, from somebody about, and obviously you have a lot of, um, experience with Steve and the guys in ALO. So if you could recount a story as a fly on the wall from, I from you know, something that could be entertaining or fun story for us ALO fans to hear, what, what might you want to share? What comes to mind? That I haven't recounted already. Well, yeah. Maybe um, it's something that you've already told. Yeah. I mean, I think the overall, there's so many just little stories. I mean, there's a lot of times backstage and where you kind of think, I mean, fans might think, are they different than what they are backstage? No, they're not. And um, I've watched many times um, with Jenna trying to get them on stage and, you know, time to go on. She's amazing. I I would say they are where they are because of who they are and a lot to do with Jenna and and also who they married, the other one, you know, the support, but she can round them up like cats and get them out on the stage. They're talking about what they're going to play and they're talking about what they're going to do. Like there's not this whole crowded venue waiting for them to get out there mm-hmm. and I, that's not really like a fly on the wall I mean that's just observing them kind of backstage sure it is. they get kind of in a huddle and they're very um focused I guess you'd say you know they're very focused um as they take the stage um they know what they're going to do they you know you know where they're going to go and and then as it evolves I think it, a lot of it is quite spontaneous and they're pretty much like I mean I could tell a million and one stories about Stephen as a little kid I mean and all of them they were so innocent in a way um of what they would do like making all those cds and just going on innocent faith you know that somebody would want them and how surprised they were that anybody would want them and I could have said who wouldn't want them mm-hmm. you know and I remember my mom said, well, Grammy, you know, that a lot of people are familiar with Grammy. She's 98 now. So she is. And she comes to the shows too. She has, and she's very musical and she's a big fan of Steve and all her grandkids and uh, adores, adores Stephen as we all do. He's very loved by his family. And she said one time, all those girls seem to like Steve. And one of our, (laughs) one of my granddaughters said, who wouldn't? And it was just so innocent and i think um i would say of all of them they're kind of unaware of their adoration that they get um they're pretty maybe that's kind of the charm they're very innocent about it and sort of surprised mm-hmm. when it does come come their way remember all those fans i made with uh krista uh, mm-hmm. fans of the band and a actual fan with their faces on it yes and they were so high Sierra. Uh, 
Yeah, in high Sierra. 2020, and that's, 2019. You know, they had no idea. Any surprises I come up with, I don't run it by them because mm-hmm. I never want to embarrass them. And um, sometimes I think they might get embarrassed over thinking about it, but in the actuality of it, they might like it. So we did these fans in the motel at the High Sierra. And um, and you could just see there how delighted and surprised they were that anyone would want a fan. And they all wanted them. We ran out of fans. We ran enough fans. But you know what came home to me? That fans, the fans, not mm-hmm. the fans. The fans with fans. With, <laughs> have um, preferences of the people in the band. <laughs> that they want this fan or they want that fan. Kind of reminded me, I mean, who can ever compare anybody to the Beatles? That mm-hmm. sounds kind of a... a a stretch for any band, but like that, where mm-hmm. they have, remember, I mean, I was a big Beatles fan. I mean, I like Paul. And if you like Paul, you liked everybody, but maybe you like Paul better. <laughs> and it was getting, giving these fans out. I had never been aware that some of the fans love the whole band, but they kind of really like a yeah, certain line. It's very true. And I love yeah. as being oh, yeah. down front, I, I love to see <laughs> who likes who and like, you know, it's just sweet. We all love everybody, but there definitely is. And I just love to watch relationships like that. So it's fun. I do Steve, you definitely have a lot of fans. <laughs> yeah. And we had a lot of fans fanning themselves at that hot uh, yeah. high Sierra. And Steve, I'm not saying we're ever going to do this again, but I'm not saying we're not. <laughs> I'm not saying we're not going to have extra fans in the work, but I'm not really going to disclose that. And we have other tricks up our sleeves all the time. And I think. When I think of ALO, I think of a certain innocence. And I hope, ah, this is emotional. You can hear my voice. I hope they never lose that Mm -hmm. innocence um, and humility. And that would break my heart. Yeah. Hmm. Noted. (laughs) Yeah, don't break mama's heart. We'll come come after you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Charlie and Kelly. <laughs> the, Vermont, the Vermont contingency, Stephen. They're tough. You don't, you don't want to try Yeah, you don't want to mess with us. <laughs> no, you don't want to mess with Vermont. Burlington especially. <laughs> All right. Well, some things up the sleeve for Tour de Amour, maybe. So be on the lookout. Who oh, knows? maybe. Perhaps. And Steve, what are you most looking forward to with Tour de Amour? Any songs you really want to dive into? or? Yeah, um, I'm just excited to be back on tour with the band for this tour in particular, having missed one and the one before that cut a little short. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really enjoyed the past year and a half or so, like since the pandemic started, in, in that there's been some growth in different ways for everybody in the band and as a band as well i mean we we pulled in ezra a few years ago so we've gone through the pandemic with ezra Mm -hmm. um, as a band member and that's just been interesting to record from home and um do a show because it's clear and then it's not clear again and retreat back and wait for that festival to get for the green light i mean it's just been an interesting year and a half and nothing really that smooth about it, but um, it makes you appreciate the times that are smooth and just makes you 
think about how smooth they were actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, those, I, I really like those like barbecue day amores we did. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. got those, but, um, the live streams, the live streams that we did at Todd's backyard. And it was Cash's our crib. Cash's <laughs> crib. It was our, it was our sort of like, um, way to kind of do a tour day more last year when things were shut down still. And so we called them the barbecue day more and we did three, three of those. And those were like fascinating because we streamed them to the li- live audience. Um, but there was, there was only like a dozen people there in the backyard mm-hmm. as a real audience. So we were really able to hear ourselves really well and like play off each other in, a, in an interesting way. And it was a really cool exercise in that way, just to be like, Oh yeah, you, the audience is a band member, but there's also, don't forget about the band members. <laughs> don't mm-hmm. forget about your band, own band members on stage. Like it's, you got to tie it all together, you know? So you want to musically play off of your bandmates, but also musically play off of your audience. So it was interesting. Yeah. Thing to experience a little bit more one-sided, a little less audience, a little more band for those streams. Um, but I think we've been, we've been rehearsing. We have, we have, um, studio dates booked the spring Good. To record. We've been writing tunes. We've been trying each other's tunes out. So, um, we were going to go in the studio. We talked about it before tour day more, but Jenna was like, you guys should take some of those new songs for a little test drive on tour. And then maybe you'll have some better insight about which ones you want to record, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was good advice last fall we're like we can't wait that long <laughs> mm-hmm. but now that we're here i'm kind of happy that we arranged it that way so we'll get to try a whole bunch of new songs and we're all singing a bunch and i'm excited for all that i'm excited to get back to the venues and see all the the crews that we kind of know at each venue and um yeah i mean it's a, a couple of things i thought about while mom was just last talking and while you were talking a moment ago leah um i it's interesting i just i want to say how interesting it is to have uh, a mom that's one of your actual not just a fan of you as your as a child but as a as a fan of your band mm-hmm. i think that's pretty interesting i don't know if as many musicians have that person the parent who's like so interested in the band and wants to go on the tour the tours and um i even have told my mom like we we joke as I'm like you know don't go broke on tour like I can't. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> don't go broke on tour because it's not cheap. Has anyone I, gone on tour? And, and I can't. Yeah. That's why you got to go pro so you can get paid. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be like a pro fan. Truly, I mean there is a wealth of good advice from you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I actually, I see. are you saying? how much i actually love the music well i'm saying that and i'm all yeah um well it's 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 interesting yeah to have a parent who's just so into the music who will will would go would invest their own income or time or whatever um and I'm, i'll even tell her like you know i can't i, I don't have any guest list spots for this, this show it's way too tight and they'll they'll get their own tickets and come and um and I'll, I'll tell them like, you know, it's, it's New York, it's expensive and they'll figure it out. And I mean, it's just, they do it because they, I'm assuming 
that they just love it that much. And I, I think you've even said like, if you weren't in the band, I would, I would be a fan of this band. Mm-hmm. I would, if you did not sing and write dominoes, I love that song. And I have a chair. Oh, talk about a tidbit for Sarah Jane or some mm-hmm. fly on the wall. I have a chair. I'll take a picture of it and put it on the shapeshifters. Um, and it's dominoes. And anyone could do it. It's just an um, old chair painted black and dominoes are glued all over it. Mm-hmm. And then the seat is white with black polka dot. And I didn't make it. I bought it at an uh, antique store in San Francisco, a collectible kind of store. Mm-hmm. And I have it in my closet right now. I have to get the jeans off of it and photograph it to show proof and evidence. Mm-hmm. But I cool. really um, love that song. If anyone covered it or anything... That song has so many um, layers and it is so complex in its simplicity. Does that sound like an oxymoron? It seems so complex in its simplicity and the black and whiteness of the dominoes. I mean, I could go on and on about that one song. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly how Stephen is saying it. I would like that song, no matter who wrote that song, but the fact that Stephen wrote that song and I know him so well Mm -hmm. and know how he figures things out and the metaphors he comes up with. I mean, you cannot believe like the gift cards he writes to all the family. I mean, when it's a birthday, Christmas or something, they're all recycled. They're cut off of a box or something, but they are the message on them. I save them. They're just priceless. And so he's complex. Stephen is, um, not exactly how you see him. I mean, he's affable, he's cordial, he's all of that, but he's a very complicated person. And he is like the master of the metaphor. And so that song alone, I think that illustrates it, not to mention that Steve um, is the gardener. So that's something to... Uh, I, I want to say too, I, mean, I, I know what you're saying. I, I think my point is, is that um, I just, I, it's fun to have a parent that's like a big fan. It's, it makes it, interesting and more deep in a way and it requires me to know where my boundaries are with my parents in terms of like shows and backstage and tickets and how much I can give them and um and also still do it I mean I'm not I'm it's technically a job you know like and not that many parents go to their kids job for fun I I guess (laughs) but but it's it's, I never brought you to intensive care. Bring your child to work day. No, <laughs> it's meaningful though. In, in that way, like knowing how much joy they get out of it, and knowing how um, connected my mom feels to the band in general, knowing having known us for so long, mm-hmm. it just kind of it kind of just sort of um, it yeah. It relates to the fact that the band is such a family band in, in that way, and. And I'd say that about all the parents. I, whenever a, a parent comes to a show, it's just like, it's, it seems so natural. And I think we all appreciate it. And we all know that, you know, our, our lives are, there's un, nothing guaranteed. Anything can happen anytime. And I have to remind myself to appreciate, um, you know, the fact that my parents come to the shows and, and really get a lot of joy out of it. And I'm happy that I can provide that. And uh, yeah, I never thought I, my mom would know what real writing was <laughs> oh yeah your mom no, thank you steve for for that sentiment and for saying that that means the world to me and yeah. i absolutely um understand where you're coming from and 
we do have a meeting of the minds, um, I think, as parents and Steve and I, you know, and there isn't anything that can't be said or isn't said that can't be discussed or worked through or it's just a real good feeling of um, security, I guess you'd say, um, between family and it's, yeah, I know everybody doesn't always have the good fortune of that and I don't take it for granted at all I don't take any of it for granted and pride and joy does not even begin <laughs> to um you know it, it have the um profound experience that I have watching Steve with the band any band I mean watching him with Sarah when he when he was playing bass with Sarah Bareilles huge huge star watching him with big big stars to me no matter who he's playing with, he is, um, ah, here I go. I, I tend to get emotional. <laughs> he is my boy. I'm proud of him. And I'm proud of him in this band. He, he um, is a fit. You know, it's like a puzzle. And they, they all fit. These pieces fit. And I don't, I don't expect that... Um, the day I die or till time itself, that this will ever be much different. The, their, their bond and their foundation is solid. I don't think anything could break it or test it, maybe stretch it out a little bit for good reasons. Mm. But then they, they come together like a puzzle. They just fit. And they're kind of an enigma. I, I don't see any peer with ALO. Mm. I also wanted to Shout out to Jenna too, because oh, the yeah, best. You mentioned her earlier, Leah, and I I just feel like she's a huge reason. Um, or maybe Mom mentioned her. Mm-hmm. Jenna, uh, Dan's wife, who manages the band, she like re- she knew us in college. We didn't really know her too well. She organized some events that we played, I guess. But she's also a UCSB gaucho, and um, we all went back up in the Bay Area and. She- she she filled out this form on our website saying that she wanted to help us and whatever we needed. And we like reached back to her and um, we're like, well, we're kind of doing it all. Like whatever you want to do, you're welcome to help. <laughs> and it went from booking shows to buying a tape recorder to tape recording shows to eventually managing the band. And I feel like um, there's so much, um, I feel like it, if it hadn't been for her, I think the band probably would have, like falling apart. <laughs> well, she's so organized. I, I don't know if the band would have fallen apart, but I think she she gave a good direction to you guys. She was so organized and so a vision. And she and I were just texting back and forth that we've always believed uh, in the magic of the band. She just always believed in the band. And like, yeah. I always believed in the band. I'm not surprised at all that they're at the Fillmore or that they're in Australia or wherever they are. It doesn't really surprise me. And she always believed in the band. And I I met her, I guess, in San Francisco when you all lived together in that old house in the Mission. I think that's when I first met Jenna. And she just um, she just looks straight ahead and she gets on that that route and she she just makes things happen she really Mm -hmm. makes things happen Mm -hmm. and um i remember when she fell in love with danny i mean i'm all of those times um 
from the mission, you know, that house in the mission. What was that street that house was on? 20, 21st and Harrison. Harrison. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, whatever she says, she's got an authoritarian way about her and a um, kind of an intuitiveness. And I, she's, she's a leader. I mean, if you look behind, there's a whole band following her. Mm-hmm. You know, she is, wouldn't you say, Steve, she's got really good leadership skills and really good organization skills. Great organizer. And I feel like hard and old. Up until that point, I was me and Zach were kind of trying to do all the booking and all the press kits and the, all that management. Mm-hmm. And I and I was very I'm, I can, I felt like maybe in hindsight maybe a little like not controlling but um, had a vision for how I wanted to present those types of materials and where the band could play. And I I, I remember like having a hard time letting go of a lot of that stuff to Jenna, <laughs> but it. Because I well, and Jenna are a lot alike that way. Because you're pretty well organized. Well, you're very well organized. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, I do it all. I I became like her second second hand person. Like once she kind of took the rein and was proving herself to be really good at doing all that, and she was just great with in with relationships, people she'd meet at the shows, and mm-hmm. phone numbers, and making sure the band was all good. And it's just been, and she's grown into her position the same way the band has grown. Like yeah. She was an amateur like us at the same time and that turned intermediate. Well, I remember her with her little bangs and her little bob haircut dancing out. You don't see that too much anymore. Mm. But when there weren't too many people at the show, she'd be out in her little cute self. And she's got a lot of flair and a lot of style, too. She has a lot of my clothes. In fact, I just give her clothes. I would up. But she um, she'd be out there dancing and talking to people and getting people up. And and exactly how Steve said, I mean, she's a real connector. She absolutely I I really love her. She mm-hmm. um, we call each other our sad Sagittarius sisters because our birthdays are right together in December, a day apart. Mm. I think she, I agree with you, Steve. I think she's been a big component uh, as far as the, the uh, success of the band, those early yeah. days and those early days and always. And when she texted me this one time, I, I'm like you, I believe in the magic of the band. Just, mm. yeah, yeah, I just wanted her too. Yeah. Yeah. We had her as a guest on this podcast also, and she talked mm-hmm. about how she reached out to you and the beginning of that too. So that'd be interesting for all the listeners to go back and listen to that too. Cause you'll hear mm-hmm. both perspectives of that. And yeah. she is such a magical human that just like supports, like she just believed in you so much and was like, I'm going to make this band happen. And she did. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are exactly the same on that level. And I'm glad you brought that out entirely because I'm going to go back and listen yeah. to that. I really love the Ezra podcast. I don't like yeah. Ezra so much. I love Ezra and everything about mm-hmm. Ezra, everything and his mom and his family and all of it. And I, I was so pleased with that, listening to that. I was kind of disappointed. I didn't mm. want it to end, but then I thought, oh, it's a podcast. I can yeah, listen to that again. There you go. So that, yeah, I mean, I had to I had to ask Steve a whole bunch of technical podcast questions today. And um, it's been a real, I want to thank you very much for inviting me. And it's been a real pleasure. And the two of you women have such a, um, 
gift and a service to uh, give to people that are so interested in music. It, I want to encourage you to keep doing this and keep expanding. And I'm going to send your link to everybody I know so that you'll have people that get to enjoy you as much as I do. And thank you. It's been my thank absolute you. pleasure. Thank, thank you, you so you're much, like, Cindy. You're, you're like our James Brown. Charlie, <laughs> <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> I know. I always tell people. So. <laughs> Usually, no. I'm the only one that thinks so. <laughs> no, 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 no. You've got fans now. <laughs> get, get ready. <laughs> well, and thank you, Steve, for coming on so much. And Cindy, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you both. And I know that there's probably so much more that we could talk about, but we'll, we'll save that for another episode where we'll come back. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for encouraging the, the um, me and my mom pair. Yeah, yeah it, was it was really special. Yeah. Thanks for the support and for your insightful questions. Made yeah. me think. <laughs> well, we will, I will definitely see you on the dance floor. Cindy, I'll see you on the rail. Steve, <laughs> I'll watch you holding down the bass. And, and I'll uh, see you one day. <laughs> yeah. Tara Lee will join us at some yes. point. But absolutely. Oh, that's going to happen. That's happening, Tara Lee. I Count am. on it. I am. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. We will be right back. And we are back. That Yay. was so fun. Yeah, yeah. They are so much fun. <laughs> They're just fun people. Yeah, they really are. And it was so great to get to know Steve better and to spend time with him and his lovely mother, Cindy. And it just got me so excited again for Tour de Amour. And just like, I don't know, I just have so much appreciation and respect for them as humans and of course the larger kind of sense of the band in general yeah i feel the same way as you yeah wow well i am very much looking forward to this love fest that is alo's tour de amor yeah you're so lucky <laughs> i know we are so lucky because so many of us are going to be here experiencing the love going back and forth together. Yes. Yeah. I want to know more about it. I know. Well, that is exactly what I am going to share for our... Did you know? So we have talked about the importance of positive emotions here on the Groove Therapy podcast before. And of course, that is definitely something that we experience in our live music experiences and I have referenced Dr. Barbara Fredrickson before because to me, she is just like the know-all of the effects of positive emotion. She's been researching them for well over 20 years, maybe even 30 years now. And she has created this theory called the broaden and build theory, which applies to all positive emotions, which means that when you experience a positive emotion, it helps you to open up your outlook of life. Right. And you can kind of, if you reflect back, when you are in a state of anger or irritation or jealousy or fear, your kind of perception like closes in, right? You can't really see all of the options. But once you get into a state of awe or wonder or joy or happiness or love, then your perception like kind of actually opens up and you're able to see different options. 
So that's the broaden part of that. And then when you are able to see different options, you're able to build additional resources that you can use to come back to in the future. So that happens with all positive emotions. But I want to talk specifically about the emotion of love, which really is considered like these momentary experiences of connection with another person. And Dr. Fredrickson kind of highlights these three things that are happening when we experience love with another. And this doesn't, this isn't just about romantic love. This can be about the type of love that you might experience when you're at live music. So Barbara Fredrickson, I wanted to read this one part. So you and the other person mirror the positivity in each other's emotional state. You mirror each other's gestures and biochemistry, and you mirror each other's impulse to care for one another. So in a moment of of positivity resonance, to some extent, you become the reflection and extension of the other. So you're both experiencing positive emotions. You are kind of mirroring (laughs) what's happening inside of your body, which somehow our unconsciousness and parts the mirror neurons in our brain kind of like pick up on that and they're like oh the same thing's happening inside of you that's happening inside of me and also there's probably a smile on your face there's like that you know especially if you're in live music there's the movement that's happening so our our body language is the same and then there is that underlying sense of care for one another that you can feel when a person is in that state so that is for Dr. Fredrickson, what the kind of conditions for love are. And, you know, if you think about live music, how it is that reciprocity of energy from the band to the audience and then back again, you know, and maybe it's love, maybe it's another emotion, but... I can certainly say for ALO's Tour de Amour, there is a lot of love that is flowing back and forth. Um, One other thing to add that I thought was really interesting was that one of the things that Dr. Fredrickson says has to happen first for that experience to happen is the sense of safety, which we have talked about also many times in this podcast too. Beautiful. I mean, when I'm at live music, I'm experiencing so much love and to like, hear you put it that way just like connects all the dots. Yeah, I love that. And just like thinking about how important that experience is for our own health and well-being as well as the survival of our species because when yeah. we connect with somebody like that, we care for other people. And you know, this is also kind of going into the um the experience that that you love, which is the self-other merging, right? Because that's essentially what she's talking about happens in those momentary connections of love where your sense of self and the other person's sense of self kind of blurs and all of a sudden you are just like larger than yourself and feeling this real oneness with each other. And, you know, at live music, that's, that's not just two people, but that's like a whole group of people that are experiencing that together. Yeah. It's the best feeling in the world. It really is. <laughs> right? And it supercharges us. It's like this yeah. charge that like lights us up and is able to keep us going for however long after that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's like why so many of the things that we talk about in this podcast are so important because you're like getting that supercharged experience. And if you could put a little bit of intention behind it before the show and during and take those times, like if you're already supercharged and you're not putting any intention behind it, Mm -hmm. just imagine what's going to happen when you do. It's Mm going to be like off the charts amazing for you. And the live music experience is going to last even longer, like all the benefits of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, bottling up that charge so that you can tap into it whenever you need. And also just like, yeah, supercharge it so that it keeps you going for a month or two or however long you need until you can tap into it again. Yeah. (laughs) Yay. Um, Well, I'm going to give some ideas of how you can tap into that love for my section. Daily Jam. So this is actually a two-parter, and the first part is going to feel super awkward and uncomfortable, but I'm going to challenge you to just like sit with it and try. So what you're going to do is this exercise called soul gazing. You'll find somebody that you love, sit across from them so you're looking at them in the eye, and you could hold hands if you would like, set a timer for five minutes, and just stare into their eyes. At first, like the first time I did this, like both people, we were laughing and like it was just it's just really uncomfortable and awkward. So like I said, just try to ride through that and eventually you will like get to this place where you're able to just like connect with this person. And I've done this with strangers and I'm like, I just love you so much now. So when you do it with someone you love, it's really, really powerful. So that is the first part. And then the second part is when you're done soul gazing, put on a song that both of you love of a band that both of you love and have a little dance party together. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then take all of that positivity and good vibes and good feelings out into your day and spread it around because we need more of that yeah we do definitely (laughs) things are crazy out there so the more love that is spread around the better yep we need it now more than ever yeah we do and feeling connected to others so important yeah yeah Yeah. all right well tara lee how can people feel more connected to you yes well if you are someone that wants to like do something different with your life and you just feel like you don't know exactly what that is and maybe you're like even scared to take that first step or you don't know what that first step is, I would love to talk with you about seeing if there is a business within you that is seeking to emerge and what that would look like. And so if that is you and you're interested in that, Head over to my Instagram at Rocking Life with two underscores and send me a message that says I'm ready and I'll know what that means. And we'll have a little talk. Or even if you're not ready, you, you could just say you heard it on Groove Therapy. <laughs> I don't know what you mean because you might not be ready. Like, when are we ever ready? But that doesn't mean that it's not the right time to try. So send me a message there. And then the second thing is that if you want to head to Costa Rica with me the end of April, and sparkle in the sun 
and live in an environment where adulting doesn't exist for a little while. So you can just be your whatever it is that you want to be because you don't have any responsibilities or distractions from keeping you from expressing your most authentic self. Then I would love to talk to you about that. So you can also head over to my Instagram at Wrecking Life with two underscores and send me a DM that has the word Costa Rica and I'll hook you up. Yeah. So go and do that right now. Definitely follow Tara Lee on Instagram and send her a message if you are so called. Yes. And then Leah, what about you? How can um, our fans connect with you on a deeper level? Yeah. So I would love it if you are interested in experiencing these moments of connection with another to an even deeper degree, if you would go and check out my website, embodiedgroove.com. So Embodied Groove is a live music movement experience that I have created based upon my extensive experience moving and grooving to live music, plus all of my master's degree in somatic psychology and my PhD in mind-body medicine. And I put it all together into this 45-minute class that includes live music created live in the moment, inspired by the movement, which usually it is the other way around. And it definitely helps to enhance all of the positive benefits of live music and connect you to that experience of love and positive emotions. So I'd love it if you would go to my website. Uh, again, it's embodiedgroove.com. You can see a lot of testimonials from a lot of the ALO guys because they have all uh, done Embodied Groove with me, or whether it's playing music or actually experiencing it as a participant. Also, Jenna is a huge fan of Embodied Groove too. So definitely go and check that out and sign up for my newsletter so you can find out all of the times that I am doing it live in the Bay Area and beyond. Amazing. Get on yeah. that list. <laughs> yes. And we are a part of Osiris Pod and Osiris Media. So if you are interested in you know, maybe you're looking for a new podcast, you love groove therapy, and you're like, I want to check out some other podcasts like this. Definitely head to OsirisPod.com. They have all kinds of music, arts, culture, podcasts, and you will definitely find something that you will enjoy if you check it out. For sure. There are so many good ones there. And we would be so grateful if you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and also left us a review if you like what you're hearing. Uh, we would be so grateful because that gets our podcast out in front of more people and um, spreads our message even further. So if you believe in what we are putting down, then we would be so grateful if you subscribed and left us a review. Yes, we would. Please do that. And then also follow us on wherever it is that you get your podcast so you can be the first to know as soon as a new episode drops and you can listen to that or just have it downloaded for when you want it on the go and you are not connected to Wi-Fi or you're out of range of data. And there we are. There, there we are. <laughs> <laughs> there we are in your ear holes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and our last request from you is that if you are on Instagram, you give us a follow there at Groove Therapy Podcast. Yes, please do. And also, we mentioned our Facebook group, Groove Therapy Podcast community on Facebook. 
uh, in the intro. That's where we're gonna where we're gonna post the video of Steve singing nine to five in Seattle. Yes. <laughs> I may also see what else I can find as far as ALO gems. I uh, love those moments of um, of magic that we were kind of talking about in this episode. <laughs> There's a lot. I love it when Zach jumps down into the floor and. Um, there was one time in Tahoe, it was probably, I don't know, 2018. And um, it was in the middle of barbecue. And then he just went into Eye of the Tiger. And he's like, in the audience. And, and Lebo's like, take off your shirt. <laughs> it's just like, it gets wild and crazy. <laughs> it sounds it. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So join our community and uh, stay tuned for more fun videos. Yes. And we hope you have the most amazing day of your whole life. <laughs> yeah. And we'll catch you next time. Yeah. Come see me live on uh, ALO's Tour de Amor. Yeah. We'll be doing it through the first weekend of March all the way up to the Pacific Northwest. So check them out at AOLOmusic.com and come right. and join. Yay. Yay. All right. Bye, everybody. We love you. Bye. Bye.